0: Welcome back to the Good Gut Feelings Podcast. This is your host, Isabel Karitsis, and I am so excited for today's podcast episode. Today we have on one of my dear friends, Jessie Golden, who I met in real life almost exactly a year ago when she moved to New York, and we connected so deeply and hit it off. Jessie is not only a good friend, but the subject matter that she is such an amazing expert in bleeds together so beautifully with so many of the kinds of questions I get from this community about how to navigate IBS or how to navigate any kind of health requirement that asks you to also take a look at your diet. Jessie is a mind, body, and nutrition coach. She specializes in eating psychology, mindset, health, and even body composition changes because it's okay to want to change the composition of your body, a message that I think needs to be out there a lot more. Jessie does a beautiful job at... Leading that conversation. She works with women who are looking to heal their relationship with food and then maybe pursue certain goals. So that might be weight loss, but that might just be better habits, it might be staying in the lane of food freedom. This conversation today is filled with so many juicy, actionable tips for navigating your relationship with yourself, which is often what's going on behind the scenes with your relationship with food. We dive into all corners of her world, including her story, how she ended up here, and then talking about a lot of actionable tips for figuring out what kind of mindset you need to have when you're navigating all of these food intolerance diets that many of us with invisible chronic illnesses need to navigate. So for IBS, that might be low FODMAP, but for somebody else, that might be going gluten-free. And how to navigate your relationship with yourself and a lot of the coping mechanisms that we use food for as you also make decisions for your highest self, nourishing your body in a way that allows it to heal. It's such a tricky line to walk and Jessie does that so beautifully. If you haven't checked her out on Instagram already yet, I highly recommend checking out her page. She's Jessie M. Golden. She shares so, so, so many actionable tips And by actionable, I mean like you can read her content or check out her podcast and implement the tools she's sharing and immediately see a benefit from them. That's why I love her so much. She shows up with such purpose and with such a desire to be of service and help her community. She has three courses that are amazing. If you resonate with the content we talk about today, she has a food freedom course, a building healthy habits course, and even a sustainable weight loss course if you are interested in pursuing aesthetic goals. I love her approach to this because I think in today's day and age, we really shy away from saying that we do have aesthetic goals, that maybe we do want to change the composition of our body to lose a little bit of fat or gain a little bit of muscle, I think a lot of that conversation has been shamed in place of the body neutrality and body acceptance movements. Both have their place depending on your story and depending on what you need out of your current journey. But I think more voice and more credibility and more space needs to be afforded to people who have worked on their relationship with food, and are still seeking aesthetic goals. I think it's a conversation when done the right way can be such a productive and beautiful one, and Jesse, of course, of course, does that. I do want to leave potentially a trigger warning. If you're currently struggling with disordered eating behavior or um, disordered mindset around food or maybe recently have been in recovery from this, this podcast episode might be one for you to skip, and that's totally, totally okay. My intention with this podcast is to have on a whole bunch of different diverse voices so that everybody who's in the different stage of their journey, no matter what that looks like in this community, can have something to chew on. There's something for everybody. And I think my intention really is to create space for people to be empowered to take what they want and leave the rest. I know that you guys are going to love this episode. If you really resonate with the content we talk about with Jessie's approach, it would mean so much to me, to both of us, if you would share this episode with a friend who might love to connect with Jessie too. Even better, if you screenshot it and tag her on Instagram stories so that she can connect with you and she knows that you came from this community at Good Gut Feelings. If you're coming to me from Jessie's community, hi. I love Jessie. I love everything that she does. And I love that we got to have an amazing conversation today. So I hope that you gain something from this. And if this community here at Good Gut Feelings feels like a nourishing place for you to be, then hi. I see you. You're so welcome here. And let me know what you want me to talk about next. If you've really been enjoying this podcast, it would mean so much to me if you would DM me and give me some feedback. Who do you want to see? What topics do you want to talk about? I'm here for all of it. Before we dive in, I just want to remind you that if you leave an Apple podcast rating and review, screenshot it and send it to me via email at goodgutfeelings at gmail.com as a thank you, I will send you a free copy of my high vibe, low vibe ebook, Because podcast reviews are an amazing way to support this podcast, reaching more people. Okay, without further ado, I give you Miss Jessie Golden. Welcome to the Good Cut Feelings Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Karitsis, and together we are building a community of women who are all here to celebrate their evolution. We're chatting about all things good gut feelings, which started with literal gut issues and IBS, hello my hot girls with stomach issues, and has evolved into self-discovery, embodiment, alignment, and so, so much more, all while being a little selfish along the way. Stay tuned as we are exploring the ways to step into your absolute favorite self, you know, like informed by your highest self, but with a little bit more sugar and spice. Let's have some juicy conversations about what that evolution gets to look like. No matter where you are in your journey, as long as you are seeking good gut feelings, you are in the right place. I'd love to connect, so reach out on Instagram at Isabel Karitzis if we don't already know each other. And without further ado, let's go make some magic. You know what so I am thinking yeah. is so funny is that you've been here for, um, almost a year. And I can't believe I've known you for almost a year.
1: I don't know why it feels like so much longer. I know. I know it does. Well, I think it's so funny speaking to, um, to Mariah about that. You and I I think just go deep so quickly. Mm -hmm. That's just what we love to do. So I think you get to know people on a deeper level or feel like you've known them for a longer amount of time when you're that way.
0: I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. How are you feeling about closing out this chapter?
1: I feel I'm in this sticky transitional phase and where one foot is in one foot is out. And I hate that feeling. And I'm really trying to just sit with it because I've realized this whole year has been a period of kind of feeling one foot in one foot out, Mm -hmm. but this is even more so. And it's, so it's essentially, I would say I feel a little destabilized at the moment
0: destabilized I think you know what's interesting about that is I was thinking when I was thinking about what we would talk about today and kind of like the perspective that um, you take in your work and kind of where we've talked about where you are now in terms of like maybe leaving New York and thinking about what comes next on so many different levels is that feeling of destabilization and one foot in one foot out and needing to kind of like really ground down into wherever you are and just decide that you're going to either be present or make your next move, I think bleeds into a lot of like the coursework that you do and what you teach a lot of people in, you know, I imagine in healthy habits, especially um, but sustainably lean Academy and also food freedom evolution. It's this journey that I think people want to go on where people kind of tentatively have one foot in one foot out. And it takes, you know, just in watching you teach people through Instagram a huge um, shift from this feeling of destabilization and wherever you are in your journey to kind of deciding through discipline, which I think you embody really well through you know, how you share your habits and everything, but you're gonna be here and you're gonna be in the moment no matter how sticky and edgy and stretchy it really is.
1: I appreciate you saying that because I feel like I am getting my PhD in what I teach it's just like, (laughs) oh yeah, bitch, you want to coach people on that? Like, let's make sure you're really embodying that because the food stuff and the health stuff I feel so comfortable with. And that's just like, not even something I really have to consciously think about anymore, Mm -hmm. but applying the core tenets of what got me there and what I teach my clients to this new phase of my life is like, oh my God, like now it's humbling because I remember what it's like for my clients. And It's not a walk in the park, but I feel like it is the only way forward. Otherwise, you just lead yourself down a path of destruction by trying to avoid. And Mm -hmm. that can be soothing in the moment. Certainly, we all have those coping mechanisms. But long term, eventually, you're going to have to face yourself and face what the present moment holds if you want to create a new future for yourself.
0: Yeah. So in, so since you're kind of, you know, living out this aspect of your work right now, have you learned anything specifically between deciding that, you know, maybe New York isn't right for you and what your next steps are going to be and having to really go back to these core tenants of your work and be present and be disciplined in that way? Has
1: anything new surfaced for you? Yes. How do I succinctly state this? Firstly, I didn't realize how critically important for me. And I, I don't know if I'm more sensitive than others. I might be. It doesn't really matter, I suppose. But my nervous system tends to get dysregulated quite easily. And I didn't know that. I think it's just been a buildup over time that that has to be step number one for me is everything gets discombobulated when I myself am not well taken care of. And for so long, even up to this point, and I was a little shamed of this, honestly, until I got over this like a couple months ago, I feel like I missed that taking care of myself was not just about doing all the things that you said you were going to do. Sometimes it's about like showing yourself some fucking grace and being willing to be with yourself in that sticky phase. Cause for me, I was like, okay, if I'm a sticky phase, how do I get myself out of it? I think that's taking care of myself. And I've realized, oh, that's like childhood baggage. I actually need to learn how to <laughs> sit, like nurture myself when I yeah. feel destabilized instead of just trying to fix it.
0: Yeah. I, I laugh because I think so many of us grapple with this feeling of like destabilization and running and the coping mechanisms and I think as we shed layers of the coping mechanisms that we have, you know, maybe that is like dissociating in certain ways, whatever your thing is working through that eventually always gets you to this place. I think of some inner child wound of feeling destabilized and needing to be nurtured or needing to be witnessed or needing to be whatever the thing your inner child needs. Um, and that also bleeds into your work so interestingly too, right? Because if we're talking about the discipline it takes to build habits and to change your relationship with food, if we back all the way up, the reason that's often so hard is because of this sort of inner child. Would you say that that lines up kind of with your experience and what you see with the people that you work with?
1: Oh my gosh, entirely. I mean, it's the same thing. And that's why it's been so humbling is I'm going on the journey with clients just in a different avenue of my life. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, I, I'm not experienced enough nor old enough. I don't think to know that if that's just the way life is going to be in perpetuity, you know, and I I would assume it, it lessens or (laughs) tapers off hopefully, but yeah, it's the same journey that my clients that I went through with food, you know, back in my early to mid twenties. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Let's back all the way up by like
0: quote unquote trade certification. There's so many different places you can kind of acquire this information. I find that the best people have a beautiful experience of like own inner knowledge and everything that they've had to go through. Um, But you're also a mind, body, nutrition coach. You specialize in eating psychology and women's relationships with food. How did you get to this space in the first place. I think, you know, I find it so inspiring when people are coaches, but also marry that with a lens that is really specific to their journey and something so relatable that so many women are working on. Um, and whether that relationship with food ends with food freedom or kind of snowballs into something else, you also talk a lot about sustainable weight loss, about healthy habit building, um, what was the catalyst that got you to this place to teaching on all of this information?
1: Yeah. So I started, this whole journey started for me when I was 16 and it's no surprise that it coincided with a very tumultuous emotional time for me as I think most 16 year olds, anyone who's been 16 (laughs) can relate to, and I didn't have the skills to cope. And I didn't know where to put all these emotions and I didn't feel at I have zero qualms about my parents, my upbringing, but it was a chaotic household with four of us within four years. So there just weren't enough resources for me, who is a pretty easygoing kid. I was self-sufficient. And so it was like, okay, Jesse, you can like deal with your own shit over there. And I couldn't deal with my own shit. So that manifested as it was a brief period of an actual eating disorder. And at that time I even knew it, it was a cry for help. I just wanted someone to pay attention to the fact that I was in pain. And then when I realized that I wasn't getting what I wanted out of that, then I was like, okay, this is just hurting myself. Logically, this makes no sense. So then it was just disordered eating patterns because as I think most people can attest to you've ever gone that direction, it's not a snap of the finger once you decide, okay, I'm not gonna get into the eating disorder stuff anymore, but what is up and down when it comes to food is, so backwards, I don't even know what is healthy, what isn't, what my body's saying, what isn't. So that went, that occurred for almost a decade where it was like yo-yo dieting, trying this fad, that fad. I swore to anything holy that carbs were the devil. I mean, that was the thing back in the day with Atkins. I felt like I knew better than everyone. I would tell anyone who would listen to me that carbs were the source of all evil. And of course, that made me feel terribly. And it wasn't until my I quit my corporate job, which I definitely think there was a parallel there. I was in really unhappy track of life based on what society and my family wanted me to do. Quit when I was 24, then went to Southeast Asia with some girlfriends backpacking. And that was the first time where I had enough space to look at myself and I didn't like what I saw. So that was very humbling. and that's also when I had the opportunity to start working on my relationship with food. And I was like, this is going to go one way or another and I'm done with this track. So I just decided to really devote myself to meditation, watching my thoughts, beliefs, and patterns with food, decided to commit to trusting my body and starting to listen to it. And then within, within a year, everything was beautiful with my relationship with food. And then I decided to start coaching women.
0: I love that. I love that. You said something really interesting that kind of made me start thinking. um, I think a lot of us have been in the space of being 24 and getting the chance, whatever that is, uh, to look in the mirror and go, holy shit, I don't know that I like this. I don't know that I signed up for this necessarily, or, you know, (laughs) I totally did because it's my own actions that got me here, but I didn't do it willingly. I didn't do it consciously. Um, that conversation, I think, looks really different for a lot of people and is often one that isn't done very nicely to oneself. Um, When you arrived in that place, what did the next steps look like for you? What did that conversation sound like in your own mind? And then how did you find the resources that you ended up kind of, you know, implementing really rigorously, like meditation and just this implicit trust for your body? How did you get from square one to square, you know, 12?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question because I, it was a very iterative process. Meditation was by far the biggest tool that helped me because it allowed me to cultivate more self-awareness and we can't change anything if we don't even know what the problem is. So I had to face that every single day. And I think that is often where clients and people go astray as they look at something once and think that's enough. But your old patterns are deeply embedded. So you have to show up committed to looking at those things every single day. Mm -hmm. And from there, things naturally started to unfold really is I recognized that my thoughts were not who I was. That was one of the most liberating concepts I ever heard. I was like, I don't have to listen to this bitch in my head. That Mm -hmm. is so freeing. And from there you realize, oh, I've had the keys all along. I can just choose this different path. So as an example, the thoughts in my brain would say, oh, you need to track this. You can't eat this. You need to go run this off, whatever. Then I would sit there and say, that thought is literally like a neural firing. That means nothing to me. And then I would center myself. Connection to my body was also a really important one. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That's our vehicle to being in the present and getting out of my head and into my body is still something I have to work on very much when I'm activated. Yeah, so I would say meditation, form. yeah, and connection to my body, and then just realizing my thoughts are not me. And the boring part is I just did that over and over and over again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think um, between the work that we both do, you know, I think a lot of women show up to that space interested in seeing the end result without realizing that where you actually have to start isn't a new diet or a new plan or a new supplement. It's quite literally this space that you just articulated that I think is a, it, it's not I think, I know it's a really crunchy space to sit in. It's not comfortable. It's not cute. It's not another band aid. It is when people talk about doing the work, that is quite literally the work. And I think that you are an amazing practitioner of it and you share it really beautifully um, through social media. I think something that I see a lot that I'm so curious if you've seen too and what you would say to this kind of person. Um, There are a lot of women in this space who are either at the tail end of working through an eating disorder or have distorted relationships with food or maybe in the past um, have been diagnosed with an eating disorder and end up in this space of wanting food freedom or wanting to heal their bodies or wanting to kind of make progress in that way. And I know you don't specifically work with people with eating disorders, but something I've seen a lot through my practice and through the DMs I get and through women in the space that I think we both occupy is this inability to even access your body's wisdom and be able to start to have that conversation, Um, to be able to hear your cues properly and to know maybe the difference between hunger and fullness and thirst and needing self-love and needing compassion or needing discipline and what your body really does need. What would you say to somebody who is aware of where they need to go on the journey, um, but maybe struggling to tap into being able to listen to their body?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. The necessity is that we have to be willing to sit with the discomfort of not knowing initially. So I would tell a client to really sit for 10 minutes. If you're in this space of feeling often it's activation, so your nervous system is activated and then you want to reach for food. And then all of a sudden your thoughts are chaotic is just sitting with yourself without feeling the need to put something on top of it for five to 10 minutes and just start to get familiar with, okay, after five minutes, I realized that I was just in a hyper state of emotion and I'm actually fine and I'm content I don't need food or I haven't eaten in five hours and I'm starving and my blood sugar has just dropped. And that's a mental note to pay attention to, mm-hmm. which brings me to another thing that I think is often overlooked is hunger is something that is habituated by our bodies. So if we've had really inconsistent eating patterns for years, then our hunger cues are going to be all over the place. And you have to have some structure in the beginning, especially if you do any type of binge eating or chronic overeating, because you can go seven hours without food and those cues won't really clearly be there until you get to a point where your body's like, I I need food right this second and in massive quantities. Mm-hmm. And then that perpetuates that cycle of mistrust. So, in the beginning, you may have to follow a structured eating plan of eating every three to four hours, whether you actually feel hunger cues or not, until your body starts to trust you. And then you get to trust your body.
0: I love that answer. So, that's the combination it sounds like of using what you know to be true externally about what's best for you and your body and where you want to go. And almost maybe correct me if I'm wrong here, but overriding the internal kind of like train conductor who wants to keep staying in this comfortable discomfort. And, you know, it's it's interesting, right? Because it's self-trust, but also the ability to override um, the part of yourself that you have to come to learn isn't always trustworthy. So it's almost like this balance of self-trust and then knowing when not to trust the old habits and patterns and cues that you're used to having. Would you agree with that?
1: Yes. And being able to differentiate between your ego and that voice of fear and the, the more higher self, which is what I call it with my clients is really paramount. And also just recognizing that you've probably done a number on your body for many years. So your body doesn't fucking trust you. Mm-hmm. and you have to earn that trust back and what that trust looks like is very clear communication but in the meantime you're going to have to kind of sit with that messy middle of you both learning to trust each other again
0: yeah what do you have any advice for someone who's learning to differentiate between those two voices
1: yes so i always say the ego is going to be fear based whereas the higher self is going to be love based and we we do instinctively know when that voice is loving. You might say, well, the loving voice is telling me that I need to not eat for three days because I need to fit into my shorts. It's like, Mm -hmm. that is 1000% not a loving voice. And you know that. It's just, we want to believe that that voice is loving, the overly critical voice. Some of us may have grown up with that reflected back to us as love, but deep down, we know that's not actually true. So we truly know whether one is the fear-based or the loving, but that's how I differentiate it.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that response. That's really, really, I think, good to think about. And the fear-based, in my experience, typically feels really familiar, right? It's stories that you've told yourself over and over and over That are kind of easy to get on that train and go, cool, we're going to go on this roller coaster now. And the loving voice might be the one that feels really unfamiliar and scary and makes you go, holy shit, I don't know if I trust this. So I think bringing that back to love and fear, ultimately it's retraining yourself. It sounds like, right. To trust that loving voice and to be a little bit more observant and curious about that fear
1: based voice. Yes. And this is something I've been reflecting on myself is sometimes in the moment we can get caught up in that story of, I can't trust this. Mm -hmm. So reflecting back for me, for example, I've dealt with some chronic health issues due to my nervous system, and it can feel scary to lean into what I know is the right thing to do for myself. And so when I'm in doubt, I say, okay, well, what advice would I've given myself two years ago now that I can see the picture clearly? And it's the same advice that, my higher self is giving to me now. So sometimes removing your agitated self in the present and looking at what you would have told past self or your best friend or like little girl, you can make stomaching that advice a little bit easier. I find
0: Mm -hmm. that's, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you've struggled with Hashimoto's for a certain period of your life. Right. And that typically in, at least in the wellness space comes with food restrictions or things that are better for your diet in order to regulate how your body's feeling and the energy you have day to day um obviously very individual none of this is medical advice but people choose to make certain choices either with their doctor or just through their own sort of research and knowledge um if somebody's trying to balance their relationship with food and this journey of food freedom but also needs to make a choice from a dietary perspective to manage something going on i you know maybe a biological food intolerance but maybe an intolerance due to ibs let's say it's a high or low fodmap food it's a high fodmap food with hashimoto's there are certain things that you're um you know recommended to avoid What would you say to somebody who's navigating that transition or that, that space of balancing food freedom with, you know, also intentional decisions to make for their body that ultimately get them to their highest self?
1: Mm. That, that one is actually an easier answer than most assume it to be because it comes back to that core tenet of self-respect and respect for your body. And I think In society, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. We've gotten really out of touch with what it actually means to show yourself love, where we think of it as just self-indulgence at any moment in time. And that's not truly respecting and loving yourself is doing the thing that makes you feel a high in the moment. So for me, I removed gluten. Still not sure if that's uh, something that's a trigger for me, but let's just say it is then I can choose. Yeah. I do. I want a gluten filled pizza right now. That'll make me feel really great in the moment, but I'm going to pay the mental, emotional, physical effects of that later. So ultimately what is the most respectful
0: decision? Mm-hmm. I love that it is simpler, right? That is a much more simple
1: answer than you would think. Yes. And it just cuts out all the bullshit because we everyone can try and kid themselves all day long of, Oh, well, I want this or I shouldn't do that. And binge drinking would be an example of, yeah, but it like really makes me have fun in the moment. It's like, yeah, but you know, the, the payoff for that for the next three days. So that actually sounds like that's the least loving choice you can make.
0: Yeah. So what do you think that barrier is to self-respect that includes your present self, but also your future self? I feel like so many of the decisions we make collectively, I know that I've had so much experience with this. Um, Is only respect for how I feel like in this literal second. How do you start to make that journey of respecting, you know, Jesse in this moment, but also Jesse in three days?
1: Yeah, I think it takes trial and error of being really aware of how your choices now, firstly, are impacting you in the future. Because if you're not connecting those dots, then it's going to be difficult to see. But I think you really just have to get still with yourself and say, Does my future matter to me just as much as my present day, more superficial enjoyment and letting yourself sit with that answer? Because for some people, they don't have self-respect and that's the hard leap to make, but you build self-respect by building self-trust and by sticking to promises that you made for yourself. And you start to realize how good that feels. And then you start to realize, Oh, I'm treating myself with respect. I actually do like the way this feels. Maybe I do respect myself and it snowballs, but you have to start somewhere.
0: Yeah, it is such a snowball. It's so funny hearing you talk through this how this applies to so many areas, so many fields, right? Whether that is food freedom or sustainable weight loss or IBS or, you know, patterns and mindset things that are just bugging you. It really, I think this, um, you know, core pillar of self-respect and taking space to think through honestly with yourself without judgment, whether you have decent self-respect is a hard pill to swallow for fucking sure. took me years to look that one in the face. Um, But I think probably one of the most fruitful conversations you can have with yourself. And I know through just knowing you personally and through social media that you have a rock solid meditation practice that you spoke about. It sounds like it started when you were 24 and kind of navigating this journey of self respect and reflecting on who you are and who you wanted to be. Um, and Anyone who follows you on social media knows that you have a pretty airtight morning routine. Um, one of my favorite things about your morning routine <laughs> is that you articulate that you are there for it. Rain, shine, storm, grumpy, cold, hot, tired, and you tweak it, you have flexibility with it, but it is it is a part of your life. And you are, you know I don't wanna say dogmatic about it, but you really make sure you get it in, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, why is that so important to you? And what impact has
1: that had on your life day to day? Yeah, it's a great question because I've gone in and out with those core tenets of what really makes me feel my best. And it's essentially my anchor into connection with myself. And it's so easy for, I would assume all of us to hit the ground running just the minute we get out of bed. We roll into our old habits and then before we know it, our head hits the pillow at night and we're like, what the hell just happened all day long? Because there wasn't any intentionality in our day. So for me, it's really important to show up and really inquire and meet me where I am in that moment. If I do feel a little funky, making sure that I'm addressing that or showing up for myself in that moment. And it's also about just remembering, reinforcing what I was saying earlier about self-respect that. I deserve to take care of myself well. And just as I would a child, I mean, if I had a young child and they were like, well, I don't feel like eating a healthy meal or going to bed on time or doing these things, I would say, I don't care. Like, I appreciate that that's your response. (laughs) I appreciate
0: that you're having a feeling.
1: (laughs) Yes, but you're two years old and I'm going to take care of you because you deserve to be taken care of.
0: So do you think that that is, you know, I think you drew a beautiful parallel there that I think a lot of those conversations, and I'd love to hear what you think about this, are conversations with your own inner child who needs either discipline or nurturing or validation or, you know, insert feeling here. What does that conversation, you know, whether it's with your inner child or not, when you wake up on those mornings and you're like, oh, I could just not do any of these things. What does that conversation look like for you?
1: Hmm. Yeah, it really looks like how much do I want my inner peace? Because for me, I've realized, especially this year, that it's not about chasing happiness. I think that's very elusive. And I don't know that that's something that's very healthy for people to chase. I think inner peace is something that is actually sustainable because that's not this emotion that's just going to come in and out. So there are certain anchors into my peace that I know I need to have. And that's really what I settle into is kind of playing it out. When in doubt, play it out. I say, I know how the rest of my day is going to go if I don't do this. And I have no right to complain at the end of the day, if it goes that way, if I'm not willing to do this now. So it is a little bit of that tough love in the morning.
0: Mm -hmm. Is that something that it took you a while to cultivate or is that a decision that if you're, you know, to anyone who's listening who may be struggling with um, and you have an entire course about creating healthy habits, but to anyone who is struggling to kind of navigate that area of discipline for their highest self, is that something that took you a while to cultivate or is it more of a choice of, you know, I'm sick of not doing these things. I'm sick of showing up the way that I am tomorrow's different. And then every day after that is a different conversation. What does that evolution look like for somebody who's starting out on this journey?
1: Yeah, I would firstly say, because to be very clear, I go through phases in many different aspects where I have to get sick of my own bullshit. And I've recently, I'm kind of still in one in the moment. And it's really being honest with yourself and your readiness to change where so many of us tell ourselves are ready to change, but we're not. kind of in that pre contemplative stage. So be honest. Are you really willing to give up what you're currently doing? We say like, oh yeah, I want to give up the the guilt or the shame or the, the anxiety, whatever it is. But when you really sit with that, we're not. So that's step number one is make sure that you're actually ready to change. And then if you are, get really clear on what you're willing to give up in order to do that. So for me, it's, okay, I'm going to have to sacrifice the fact that I may want to just sit my ass on the couch and like watch such and such, you know, or scroll on social media. But I, I think it comes down to really getting sick of your present state to where that tension is so strong that staying the way you are just is no longer an option.
0: I'm the same way. It's something I'm trying to grow out of that. I don't know if it's possible, but I also have to get sick of my shit to be like, okay, we're going to do something about this now. Um, and that's always an interesting
1: conversation. So what does your morning routine actually look like right now? Oh, I'm really into what I'm doing these days. So it is doing morning pages or some type of journaling exercise in the morning. I find and it very And what time helpful. are you waking up? I wake up. I just let my body wake me up. I'm okay. fortunate that I'm able to do that, but it's anywhere from five to six. Usually is when it's I wake early up. Riser. Yes. I've been that way for my whole life. It's a pain in the ass in a lot of ways, but those morning hours are so special. So start off with some type of journaling. And then I meditate right now. I'm being very strict or disciplined with my meditation practice. So that's 20 minutes.
0: And is that because you know that you're in a period of discomfort and kind of stretchiness and you're, this is your highest self sitting you down and saying, we're doing this.
1: Yes. It's like, I want to distract myself so, so heavily right now. And I have been for the last couple of weeks and it's just, I know how that plays out. So I just make myself because I, I don't want to feel bad. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think that's so much what it comes down to is just, I don't want to feel bad. And so sometimes I just have to suck it up. I love that. Um, I think the art <laughs> the
0: art of sucking it up is a really important one that takes a while to, to even begin to recognize and go, okay, I think maybe this is the next and only option. Um, you mentioned something earlier about whether or not you actually want to change and being honest about that I think in broader terms people tend to refer to that as quote-unquote self-sabotage and I don't know that self-sabotage you know in my mind really exists I think it more so does take shape of everything you just explained of are you actually ready to change? Are you actually ready to give something up? Is this a conversation you find yourself having um, in, you know, all of the areas of work that you do, or maybe primarily one space, like food freedom, or, you know, where
1: does that play into everything that you teach? Yeah, well, I've, I made a post about this a couple weeks ago, where your, our habits, as an example, with food, they actually serve as self-protection, and I think we use self-sabotage, but it's, it was an adaptation, our behaviors. And so if we think, oh, my primal monkey brain formed this connection in order to protect me at some point in my past, and now it's still hanging around. The reason we can sometimes be resistant to changing is because if we take that adaptation away, then we have to face what originally we were running away from. And that is the rub. That's the sticky area that keeps us from not wanting to change because then that surfaces. And that's not enjoyable. And I'm going through that right now. And it's, I think it's something that we'll go through in, you know, several phases forever, but yeah, it's not the self-sabotage. It's the willingness to recognize I did this to protect myself. Thank you habit or thought pattern, whatever it is for protecting me, but now I'm strong enough to face my shit and I'm ready to let you go
0: hmm It's the resilience to looking at the sticky stuff because you said it perfectly. It is uncomfortable and it will surface when you sit down to look at stuff that might start with food freedom or might start with the desire to lose weight sustainably um, or start new habits that <laughs> unintentionally for any of that to be permanent, you know, surfaces this stuff that's like, hey, I've been waiting for you all this time. You're on this journey now. So it's going to come up some way or another. And I I think I, you know, something I really love about your approach is that you take such a holistic view of what it looks like to make decisions for your highest self in order to achieve food freedom, in order to build healthy habits, in order to pursue, you know, aesthetic goals, um, which is not a bad thing, but you really look at it mind, body, soul um, and Allow it. I think by doing that, you allow it to be a truly much more permanent journey. And I think that that's you know amazing that that's your vantage point.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that because it it's tempting to give people just these quick fixes because that's what sells. And you can put that on a testimonial page of so and so saw these drastic results, you know, in thirty days, but then you follow up with them a year later, and nothing mm-hmm. has really changed. So, I, it's the approach that I know in my soul works, but it does take more gumption from the people who sign up to do it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think on your end though, it really keeps you in integrity, which I admire so much. I think it's a, um, a beautiful space that you invite people into and you're right. It does take a lot more gumption and resilience from the women who choose to women or men, you know, I have no idea, um, who choose to, embark on that journey. And, you know, I, I think it's important in the work that we both do. (laughs) You said it so perfectly. It's such an easier space to go, you know, do this diet. I have this trick and like, you'll be fixed, but like, no, the, the full picture really is holistic. And it requires having conversations like this, where you are figuring out how to channel your highest self and bring them into the conversation and make, Aligned action from that place. Um, so I think it's amazing that you share all of those pieces and how to access that. Um, let's do a couple of lightning questions that are probably <laughs> probably not going to be lightning questions because I ask not non-lightning questions,
1: <laughs> even I if I like to pretend.
0: <laughs> um, okay. What is your go-to weekday meal if you're having like your typical Jesse's work week? a go-to lunch or dinner
1: bison bowls bison taco bowls are my all-time favorite
0: how do you put those
1: together okay so i'm from new mexico and i think so i think from that just mexican anything with those types of new mexican flavors are so comforting to me and there's a lot of versatility so beans bison ground bison with um, any type of taco seasoning i'm not super fancy with it potatoes or rice then I like to put roasted veggies in there. And then the toppings are key. So cheese it up. I'm not a big avocado on my Mexican food type of girl, but that and crumbled tortilla chips, I would say are the key. Ooh, do you have a favorite brand? You know, I don't. All I know is that they have to be salty and I'm still on the hunt. I always buy the ones I like and then I forget what the, the brand name is. So TBD. TBD. Okay. Love that. Is there a habit that you bring with you everywhere? I would say movement. Yeah.
0: And does that look different everywhere you are? Is that typically something? Walking specific? outside
1: is something that is so helpful for my mind and my body. And it's, I'm grateful that I allowed that to be a habit of mine because old me would have said that that was too weak or wimpy or not intense enough. And it's been the most beautiful tool I think I've leveraged in the last couple of years and it's accessible nearly everywhere. Except you're so good
0: at that, especially (laughs) in snowy, frigid New York. She is still at it, ladies and gentlemen, every freaking morning. I love it. Oh, it's just like so good for my soul. I adore it. What is something that people may not know about you from your social
1: media presence? Hmm. It's a really good question. I think people have, I've heard this even from people really close to me that I am Zen all the time and that I'm a rock and I'm actually very sensitive and emotional. And I think people don't realize that. So that's probably something that maybe people can gather that for my social media, but I tend to be more even keeled and I'm working on allowing my emotions to be a little bit more free, but I'm really quite sensitive. What advice would you give to your younger self? Oh God, ask for help. I I think think that, yeah, I just... I felt like I had to do it all on my own and it created this hyper independence that just, it's, it's just not healthy. Mm-hmm. What makes you feel like your favorite self? Mm. Being with people I really love, I think is top tier for me, that or travel just dropping me off in a country or a place that I've never been to and being like, figure it out. I really come alive in that situation. Is there a favorite spot that you've traveled to? I remember feeling that feeling so clearly when I was in El Salvador, because that was such a, I mean, really thrown out into, out of my comfort zone. I was meeting a friend there, but it just invigorates that sense. Like, I have no idea what the hell is going to happen. I don't know. I don't even know what hotel I'm going to, where I'm staying. So that, or um, I really enjoyed going to to Bali. It kind of gives me that same free spirited type of vibe.
0: Yeah, I sense that. Um, okay. Are there any resources, books, accounts, you know, podcasts that you'd recommend following that you love that
1: feel like have had a beneficial impact on your life? You know, I really love Mark Manson. And the reason I love him is because I think personal development has become a little too soft in the sense that it's not giving people a sense of resilience. It's not teaching them that, hey, life is going to suck in a lot of ways. And we need to develop the skills in order to manage it rather than victimize ourselves. And I think we need both of be super nurturing and compassionate towards yourself, but also we need to develop some balls at the same time. And that's what Mark Manson does. So I think his articles, I mean, he's helped me through so many sticky phases in my life. I just adore him. His
0: um email newsletter is fantastic. And it's not spammy. He's not like blowing up your inbox, but it's, you know, I don't know how long they are or how frequent they come, maybe like once every two weeks. and they're long. Super thought provoking, but also like concise. Um, you and I definitely agree on the resiliency missing from the conversation. <laughs> yes, so important. he does too. Yeah, he paints a beautiful picture of that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, last but not least, how can people work with you and access your content? What can people um, take away from Jesse Golden?
1: You can come find me on Instagram; is where I'm most active. So that's Jesse M. As in Mary Golden. And I have all of my links posted there to my courses. I have free masterclasses. That's probably the easiest way to get familiar with my work. If you struggle with overeating, obsessing about food, or you want to get started on sustainable fat loss, I have free resources for all of those and my YouTube channel. I'm going to be ramping that up again. So that's just search my name and it's Jesse, J-E-S-S-I-E. There's a Jesse Golden out there who's JSSE, who's not me. And you'll see why (laughs) you look her up.
0: (laughs) What are the names of your two masterclasses?
1: So I actually have three now it's the four-step framework to stop obsessing about food. Okay. How to stop overeating for good. And then three steps to, um, fat loss and actually maintaining the results.
0: Okay. Um, And those are all just like you said, linked in your bio. And Jessie is really great about doing Q and A's all the time. So you can keep learning from her. Go take a look at her Instagram. She is a literal wealth of knowledge. Thanks, babe.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Hey, it's me again. I hope that you loved today's podcast episode. Jessie is such a dear friend and her message, her business, her approach is so needed in this space. So I hope that this met you wherever you are and that you don't forget forget to go connect with Jessie over on Instagram at jessiemgolden. Before I let you go, I have a really exciting announcement. It's that time of year again where I am opening up the doors to my one-on-one private coaching container. I'm hand-selecting women who are ready to do this work and taking on a small group of women individually for the next 10 weeks to explore their journey of moving out of the cycle of feeling like you are 60 to 85% through your IBS healing. I know this spot well. I know that so many of my clients know this spot well, where you're kind of hanging out, some weeks, some months are really good and then you backtrack and something happens and IBS just doesn't seem to be shakeable. This program is for the woman who knows that her IBS healing, that her physical healing is so possible and right around the corner, but the missing piece of the puzzle to get there is working on her relationship with herself. If you listened all the way through today's podcast episode, if you have been in my space, you know that the nervous system is such a key player in letting our bodies come back to homeostasis and letting our nervous systems come back online in a healthy way in order to stay in that rest and digest space more often. Digesting our food, managing bloat, managing inflammation, getting better sleep, being able to connect with others in your life, being able to do the work, to take aligned action, to make meaningful changes and have the wherewithal to keep acting them out and living them out in that embodied space day to day. I'm taking on women who are ready for this holistic approach, who have the IBS tools, who may have seen a couple of doctors who have a pretty good idea of the diet, of the tips, of the tricks, of what they need to do for themselves, but still want support in that space, still want resources for the low FODMAP experience for bloating tips and tricks, for having to deal with um, their, you know, bathroom habits, whether that's trending towards constipation or diarrhea. Such a cute word <laughs> in the midst of this conversation where we're talking about this nourishing relationship with yourself. I am leaving the application to apply to work with me in the show notes. This is an energetic exchange, so I do not take on everyone who applies. I'm looking for women who are ready to be held accountable, who are ready to do the work, who are capable of being responsible for their thoughts and how they show up and get to do the work, not because they're broken and need to be fixed, but because they get to vote for themselves and what comes next. Voting for their favorite self, voting for their highest potential, voting for everything that they know they deserve, but deeply crave support in getting there. I will be the first to say that I don't really do shit unless I have somebody telling me what needs to happen. I am somebody who only really makes aligned changes when I have someone in my corner and I am constantly investing in coaches and therapists and people to help me see myself through to my highest potential. It is such a gift to ask for help and it is such a gift to get to work with those of you who are ready to do this kind of work and watch you come out on the other side. I'm linking a list or a resource so that you can see in the show notes, um, the testimonials and the wins and the love and the evolution that some of my past clients have experienced and see what's possible for yourself. If you're interested in this one-on-one private container, the doors are open now and they will be open until the spots are full and then doors won't be open again until late spring In the spring, when doors open once again, the investment will rise. So if you're feeling called to this experience and opportunity right now, then this is your chance. I'd love to invite you in for a conversation. If your application looks like you'd be right for this program, then we get to chat more and talk about what it is you are really deeply desiring from this experience and figure out if that is a good fit for what I am able to offer. And we can kind of go from there super casual, super fun. No need to be worried. No need to be nervous. It's such a beautiful experience getting to know all of you either which way. I can't wait to get to know more of you intimately through this experience and see what comes out on the other side.
1: Okay. I will talk to you all next week.